22 minutes after 4 o'clock. Rahima Issa, thank you so much for joining us. She is the uh, CEO of Haditi Media. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me, Kanye. We're talking about what principles need to be in place to have a future fit mindset. Let's just uh, start by asking, what is a future fit mindset? Love the question. For me, a future fit mindset is one that's solutions oriented. And I talk about an individual who is primed or geared to be agile enough to navigate uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And this is through conscious development of fitness in physical, emotional, mental, and social spaces. Mm-hmm. Now, this year you are having a mentoring walk and you're saying that it's based on, you know, the, the people sharing stories and you have mentees and mentors coming together. And the theme of this year is a future of fitness. Let's talk more about that. So we had our walk earlier on this year. It was actually the launch of our program in South Africa. And essentially the launch was, the kickoff was to get mentors and mentees together, sharing the stories of their journey. Um, We were subsequently running the program in South Africa and in the USA, in Salt Lake City, and we had kicked off just in the last week in Ghana as well. Um, So it's it's really been about starting this whole movement of future fit mindset for young learners and understanding how they can be, as opposed to being victims um, and, and survivors of their context, mm-hmm. being structured architects of the future that they would like to live. All right. And let's talk about, you know, life skills and what principles one need to have uh, in, in, in place to be a uh, future fit. And, and, and also, because it's all about longevity. You know what I'm saying? Beca- because, you know, people go through, uh, you know, serious, serious, serious challenges, you know, in their life path, in their journeys, whether professionally or, you know, personally. And you need to be fit and be resilient, you know, in your mind. Um, let's talk about, you know, some of, um, you know, some of the things that people can do to be future fit? Okay, so we say at the core of being future fit, obviously, we talk about the tens, and that's about making sure that your physical fitness is up to date, is up to scratch, Mm -hmm. Um, that you're doing stuff physically every day over and above just sitting and lounging, but making sure that your body, the vessel that you have to exist with is is in good condition. Emotional fitness is important, um, and that's really about being understanding your EQ, what drives you, what what influences and impacts you, and how you relate to others in that context. Your mental fitness, the extent to which you are actually stretching yourself with new knowledge continuously um, to be relevant in the context that you operate. And social fitness for us is a big one, and this is because of the global economy. The extent to which you are interrelating with people that are not in your context and understanding where the world is moving and how you are relevant in that space. So that I put at the core. But over and above that, we talk about um, eight different things that we do. I'll put it to six different things that we do. One is understanding that as an individual, you need to belong to learning collaboration networks. The future world of work is requiring us to be more collaborative. This whole business of being the individual star doesn't work. We need to learn continuously. Mm. Religious spaces have this down pat where you would sit and you would look at a, a subject of knowledge, um, for example, the Bible, and people would sit back and say, what does this mean? Creating sense and meaning out of context. But you can only do that by collaborating as learners in a network. So it doesn't matter what age you actually are. You need to be able to look at information and speak to learners 
I mean, in, in, in business schools, we, we talk about syndicates coming together and learning. There's something about that. So it's still we need to inculcate in all different spaces to say, if I'm exposed to knowledge, who am I collaborating with to make better sense of this and to share my knowledge? Mm. Secondly, it's about being and understanding that we live in a global village. I don't think we really understand. I mean, so for me this year, working with Ghana, the USA, and South Africa, the whole notion of global ideas exchange has just been so overwhelming because we don't understand that issues that we're facing in South Africa, somebody else in the world, and, and a clear example is the uptake of this program. The fact that the youth in our areas are talking about teenage pregnancy, the youth in the USA are talking about teenage pregnancy. Our youth in Mamelodi are talking about poverty and unemployment. Youth in Ghana are talking about poverty and unemployment. So this ability to look at context issues and understand the global context that's also operating makes you realize that if you're going to solve a problem, you're not just solving for X here in South Africa. You could potentially be solving a problem that the world is grappling with. And you understand then that what, how the world is interconnected. Mm. Coaching and mentoring um, are things that I've gone through before. The need for us to have guidance around problem solving and, and to inculcate spaces where we are finding people to help us walk journeys, to, to find experts along the way who can contribute knowledge that actually deepens our understanding. Um, with our learners, we actually introduce them to coaches that walk the entire program with them, but mentors who come in every single month and in the U.S. every week um, we come in and, and, and provide content. And these are experts in their field. So if you're thinking about design thinking, they're getting experts on board to say these are the new phenomena that are going on globally. Here, learn about it. So it's not just textbook that I'm learning, Afrikaans, biology, geography. It's about understanding that you work in this global space and you need knowledge more than what you're typically exposed to. Mm. And I like how you've actually segmented it into physical fitness, emotional fitness, mental fitness, and social fitness. Because sometimes mm. a person can be strong in one area, but weak in another area. And a lot of times I find that people who who are, you know, sometimes emotionally, or let me say, academically strong, you know, they, they have mm. strong mental fitness, they, they've studied, they've done, they, they're socially awkward. You know, and, and they don't really know how to relate to other people. Their interpersonal skills are a bit off. And so one day when they find themselves leaving the books in the isolated world of academics and getting into a workplace and now they have to interact with people, you know, it becomes awkward and difficult. How do, how do you help a person like that? So I, I, I say to everybody that the things that I create are from personal experience. I've crashed and burned, not once, not twice, perhaps three times. Mm. And last year, I'm an entrepreneur, and I was physically immobile because I had damaged my arm, and I had to go through physio just to relearn how to use my arm. And that physical, that fact that the physical aspect broke down meant that all other aspects actually started to break down because I hadn't developed them holistically. And I think what, 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 what I can say to people is, Start, and I'm starting with the youth to say, understand that your body is an ecosystem. Mm. That just because mentally you're doing okay, are you going to be okay if physically you haven't been keeping up to date with keeping your machinery working? Yeah. If socially you are inept at being able to engage with other people and to connect in spaces that, you know, in pocketed spaces where you're not fully functional in another. If you can't do that, if you're not constantly um, working your physical machinery, your mental machinery, your emotional machinery, and your social machinery, if one of them breaks down, chances are everything's going to collapse. So this whole notion of start now, start slowly, slowly, 
but build up this fitness that is so interrelated that even if one breaks down, you can compensate. I learned that when one muscle is torn, your other muscles are going to compensate, but they can't do that forever. So if you've been fit, the ability to rebuild is much easier. Mm, I like the sound of that. Um, let's talk about the mentorship uh, problem, uh, the, the mentorship program. Uh, you mm. know, within the Future Fit a Youth Program. You know, I see here you've got research, learning how to keep your mind occupied by reading more, mindset mapping, citizens of the world, self leadership, team dynamics. Uh, maybe just take us through one or two of those. Okay, so I think the, the key things for us are about problem solution, problem identification, and solution of thinking. We often we talk about things in the context. If you if you if you observe how we talk about things, we talk about what we are against, what we hate. And for us, we're trying to locate the kids as as architects. So we don't say what are you against. We say what are you for. What is wrong in your environment that you would like to change and what does the end result look like? So you're not going and fighting against what doesn't work for you. You're sitting back and saying, how do I create this new reality that I want? But to be able to do that, you actually have to learn what problem solving is, problem identification is. And often we tend to work with symptoms. So we are working with, with learners to say, no, let's not work with the symptoms. Let's go to root cause. Because if we address the root cause and understood the problem fundamentally, the kids in Mamelodi, for instance, have identified um, poverty as one. And they're saying, well, how does that manifest? And they said, well, access to food, actually, is a key thing that they'd like to work in a specific area. And so, well, what does that mean? And they then understand that solution is thinking is about how do I find a solution to this issue of access to food in this specific location and area? In order to do that, I need to be able to understand the problem. So not to come in with solutions that are not relevant because I actually haven't done my research mm. and it's based on my opinion that's formulated by other people's context. How do I go and do research? And this is what we teach them. We teach them to go in a methodical, you know, in a, in a methodical, ah, the words have gone out. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's half past four in the morning. Go and, and identify um, what to, to, to check whether the problem that they're talking about is really the problem or it's a symptom, and then to understand how to do research. Our researcher had actually, it was amazing, the last weekend, she took Encyclopedia Britannica um, to them, and you know, these old books, right? And she had them open and, and find information. And the whole thing around that was saying, look for information and, and, and go and find, not, and, and don't just look for information, find the most critical thing that you need to work on in there. Understand where your information is. Mm. Understand how to use that information and understand who to connect with. So that for us is part of what we do. And Global Citizenry is where, you know, we connect the different countries together and they speak to each other about what the problems that they're facing, but they speak to each other about how they're looking at solving it. So the perspective becomes very different. We've got kids who are in a refugee center um, versus kids who are from uh, um, a township looking at problems that are very, very similar, but having different lenses as to how to approach the solution. That for us is powerful. Mm. And what this encourages is this whole notion of youth-led self-leadership and youth-led team dynamics, the kind of things that we often only pick up when we're already ready for work and we're saying, actually, with the way that the world is complex and ambiguous, the sooner we equip youth with these skills of the future mindset where they're seeing themselves as community, um, 
solution providers, but they're seeing themselves as being architects for social impact, then we'll be able to address the problem. Wonderful. And how do, um, you know, learners get to be part of this Future Fit Youth Programme? We're currently working with um, identified partners. So in South Africa, we're working with Itamba Youth. So we're working with organized youth formations because part of what that does is that it's ensuring that the academic construct is still being taken care of and we're working on personal development. So we're working with youth organizations. And if youth belong to a youth organization, they can contact us at futurefit at haditamedia.com. Thank you so much for joining us uh, and always show, sharing with us your, your wisdom. And that is Rahima Isa. And how do people get a hold of you, uh, Rahima, before we, we let you go? Some of your social media handles? Twitter, Twitter and Instagram is at Rahima Isa. And if you can't get me there, at Hadithi Media. Perfect. Thank you so much. We'll speak to you soon. That is Rahima Issa, CEO of Haditi Media. We were talking about life skills or what happens or what needs to be in place to have a future fit mindset. 25 minutes before 5 o'clock. Stay with us.